From the beginning of my reformation, I have asked God to send me neither dreams, nor visions, nor angels, but to give me the right understanding of his word, the holy scriptures. For as long as I have God's word, I know that I am walking in his way, and that I shall not fall into any error or delusion. Martin Luther Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. This is my lovely wife, Nikki. Hello. And happy Reformation Day. So before we dive into this episode, honey, uh, is there anything you would like to say? Uh, yeah, just a prayer request. We have friends who are uh, starting the adoption process and just pray that it would go quickly. And yeah. Just pray for their God's blessing on that uh, new family. Absolutely. And uh, if you're on the podcast, please follow us, share us with a friend, leave us a nice comment. We would appreciate that. Um, if you're watching on video, please like and subscribe. And um, I would just pray, you know, that we would all uh, learn and pray for ourselves to have the strength and the courage of a Martin Luther, you know, in this wicked world that we're walking into, I think it's going to become more and more important that we become um, courageous people of faith and not take, you know, what we have for granted. So my prayer for you guys and for us is that we would uh, learn from Martin and um, have confidence to stand on the faith that we hold to. So um, today, yep, is Reformation Day, and uh, it's cool that mm -hmm. it falls on Sunday this year. And we just wanted to kind of take some time out. That's why we're doing this kind of you know, one-off Sunday episode, just to remember, you know, what Reformation or like what it was, you know, why it was important. And as we've talked about before, why you should be celebrating this rather than, you know, celebrating a day for the dead in Halloween. Yeah, I think a lot of people, well, for me, when I heard of, well, I guess I didn't even know of it as Reformation Day. I've always just heard of the 95 theses and nailing them to the church door. And that's all I knew about it. I didn't know what it was for. Mm. So I, I don't know. I just thought there's probably a lot of people out there who've heard of it. So, but don't know why, what were those? There are. And I mean, but there's even, you know, we have people in our life that are lifelong Christians that don't know what the 95 theses, theses in Martin Luther are, or what the importance of them are. And like, you know, so in a lot of that is because Reformation Day has largely been dismissed in this country mm -hmm. and it's not celebrated. And um, that's a shame. I don't because... think it could be celebrated because it would just offend so many people. Like, I don't think it can be recognized. Well, as you know, we're down with offending <laughs> uh, people on this show for God. So uh, but with Reformation Day, you know, just going through what it was. Right. It's obviously. Um, sort of remembering the Protestant Reformation, which traces its official beginning back to October 31st, um, I believe 504 years ago now in 1517. And that's when Martin Luther, a German monk, um, is said to have nailed his writings of the 95 Theses to uh, the church door at Wittenberg, where he lived. Now, there's a little 
disagreement whether or not he nailed the theses or if he just sort of delivered a letter on that day, which isn't really that big of a deal. It's the same, you know, same thing. Yeah. Um, but it was basically the 95 theses were basically 95 statements sort of confronting the Catholic Church and largely the Pope uh, for their misuse of scripture and really the Pope's office in general. Um, it focused largely around the idea that the Pope was granting these things called indulgences for money, where you could basically pay the Pope. <laughs> it sounds so insane now, but you could basically pay the Pope for an indulgence and they could um, basically this indulgence could give you forgiveness for all your past sins and all future sins. And it would even go so far as to give you the opportunity to buy souls out of purgatory. And, you know, so obviously looking back on it now, we can see that that's an incredibly false doctrine. That's just crazy. It's just like if people just even had one of the gospels to read, they would have known that that was completely wicked and backwards. Like you can't buy salvation to hell. Like you don't need to repent for your sins anymore. Just buy a slip of paper and, you know, go give in to all your worldly sins because you paid enough money. Like people went to hell probably for that, like completely wicked. So um, what's interesting about the 95 theses is that Martin Luther was a Catholic when he wrote them. You know, we always think of this Protestant Reformation, but Martin Luther was a Catholic. Um, and even in reading the 95 Theses, you can see that he still had sort of this high regard for the Pope in his office. Um, and that would obviously go on, you know, to change. And as you read, even in 1520, you know, so three years after he wrote the 95 Theses, I believe um, Martin Luther went on to write, we here are of the conviction that the papacy is the seat of the true and real Antichrist. So when he wrote the theses, he still had a fairly high regard. Three more years of sort of study, um, prayer, and walk with the Lord, and he came to realize the Pope's the Antichrist. And, you know, we've talked about in this show, he's not the only one. Um, John Kelvin thought that. John Wesley, if you even read in the Westminster Confession, they make the claim that the Pope is an Antichrist. So, yeah, I um, never knew that they also said that. Yeah. And if you're a Protestant of any, um, you know, background, the founders of your faith all claim that the Pope was the Antichrist. So, not just that they're wrong, but they are the Antichrist. And uh, yeah, I'm sure that ruffles feathers today, but that's all right. So, you know, and then kind of going back to this, we were talking with our kids um, leading up to this week or this day. We've been reading through the 95 Theses, and I bought a cool little book. It's like 40 pages. It has like a short biography of Martin Luther uh, for like the first 10, 15 pages, and then the rest of it's the 95 Theses with all the, uh, also explanations for what each thesis sort of means. Um, so it's a very good resource. I'll have it linked in the show notes. You can go check that out. Um, but as we were reading through these and we were explaining with our kids, like Martin Luther, again, he was a Catholic. He was living in a world that was Catholic. I mean, he even went so far as to join a monastery as a Catholic monk. And uh, 
what basically happened, you know, is he opened the Bible up for himself and started reading scripture for himself. Yeah, he kind of had like a complete turnaround like the Apostle Paul did because he was completely antichrist at first, but he, you know, he was deceived, but, you know. Yeah. God visited him and he completely, you know, turned around and this is kind of like same kind of thing. Like it's the word of God that really changes your mind and shows you all error that you were following. Yeah, it's very Apostle Paul-ish. I mean, not quite as dramatic. You know, there's no road to Damascus moment. No, I just mean, I mean the I word of was, God you know, is what led alone him is. To the monk. What led him into being a monk was pretty dramatic. Um, sort of a true. Damascus road, yeah. you know, moment. But yeah, I mean, his reversal on, you know, he is as far away from being a Catholic, basically, as Paul was from being a Pharisee. I mean, mm -hmm. You know, Paul would go on to be the apostle to the Gentiles, you know, like as far away from being a Jew mm -hmm. as you could be. So, yeah, it's very Apostle Paul. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he just simply got in the monastery and opened his Bible. And as he read and read, and I'm sure there was a lot of mental anguish and struggle where you're like, I'm seeing what this says, and it's not what we're doing. And it yeah. took him a lot of years. I mean, I think he became a monk in 1506. He didn't write his theses for another 11 years. Mm. Um, and then still three more years before he finally came to the realization that, yeah, he's, he's the Antichrist. Like, so you're talking 14 years of intensive study as a monk to, you know, come to that. Yeah. So it wasn't easy, right? Because his whole world was Catholic. Everybody he knew was Catholic. Everybody he, that taught him about God was a Catholic. So, yeah. I mean, and then he wrote uh, the Bible and so everybody else could read for themselves. Yeah, I and... believe it took him eight years to translate the Bible but into what, German. And what's like... funny is when he translated it into German, people were mad. Like people didn't believe that they should be reading scripture in their own language. And that reminds me a lot today of the, I didn't the know King they were James mad. only people. They're like this is the only version of uh, or translation of scripture you should read. And People, I mean, not everyone, obviously, but there were people that were upset in Martin Luther's day that, like, how dare you tarnish God's word by writing it in our language? And, you know, wow. so more pushback. But Wow. But I was just thinking on how, like, it was good. They all had the Bible to read for themselves. And, you know, many uh, believed the truth and were saved because of it. But it's like in our day, it's like having God's word doesn't mean people are even going to read it, that it's going to make a difference in anybody's life. Like it really comes down to um, people who don't love God. doesn't matter if you have his word, people are still going to reject reading his word and they have it in their homes. They have it on their phone. Like it's not a lack of God's word, keeping people from God. It just oh, reveals no. the hearts of men is all like, okay, you think that everybody's going to be converted if they have God's word. And it's like, they have it now. Nowadays, everybody has it and they still reject and refuse to read. They want to stay ignorant. No, like, I mean, it's way easier to go and just listen to a 30 minute sermon about somebody telling you what God's word says. And yeah, then we you still go about your put people and... on a pedestal and rather them teach it to us than us actually reading it. We do that today. The same thing. That's what they wanted. Back in Martin Luther's day, people still want that. Makes it easier for sure. And um, 
you know, looking at Martin Luther, right? Like I feel, you know, looking back in history, it's easy for us to be like, yeah, obviously, you know, he saw what the Pope was doing and it was, you know, crazy, but it, you got to put yourself in Martin's shoes. You know, he was, he was the only guy, right? I mean, obviously there were other, you know, earlier founders or earlier sort of people building on this reformation, but Martin really was standing alone in a world that was opposed to his line of thinking. And even so much, you know, like we talked about, he was a Catholic and in a Catholic's eyes, a real Catholic. I mean, someone that would go on to be a monk, right? The Pope was God's representative on earth. So it's not like you're just going, hey, you know, pastor, I think maybe, no, like you're literally telling God's representative, like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, think how bold. bold of a stance. And, you know, it just, I think we need to look at how brave and courageous um that was in light of the world that he lived in because i mean like we talked about we won't even defend our faith to atheists today you know co-workers we'll just be like well i don't want to get into it and Mm. but to stand you know and it's not just that he was standing against a church he was standing against the political party of his day and he was alone at least when we stand against anyone today we have people on our side. He had nobody on his side. Like we're still cowards and we're backed by thousands of people who agree with us and stand with us. Yeah. And backed by history with courageous men like Martin Luther. So, but yeah, you know, going back to, he wrote those 95 theses, right. And, you know, like we said, it took him another two to three years to really fully understand this anti-Christian nature of the Catholic church. And ultimately, you know, his objection to the Catholic church would lead him to be excommunicated um, from that church and then all, you know, go on to even be more dramatic where they would issue the Edict of Worms, um, where basically Emperor Charles V uh, declared Martin Luther, or Martin Luther basically an enemy of the state. And, you know, a pretty drastic and dramatic thing that happened. And I think us not being Catholic, you know, and most of us probably listening not being Catholic, right? We don't really know what excommunicated really means you know but it's not just like hey you can't show up to church on sunday anymore like being excommunicated for a catholic in a catholic world was a huge thing i mean life-changing thing i mean it would go so far as when you were excommunicated it was essentially the pope saying that your soul was damned to hell you couldn't go to heaven when the pope excommunicated you you are no longer a person of that faith like Mm. and you're again doesn't seem that big of a deal to us we might go ah that's insane he's a german catholic monk (laughs) you know like you got to put yourself in his shoes and still you know he didn't have or he had the courage to not you know back down and then even further than being excommunicated that edict of worms um went on to basically allow anybody to kill martin luther without consequence like the emperor was just like you see the dude kill him, you know, it's not going to be a sin for you. Just get rid of this menace to our faith. And again, still he stood, right? This is where, if you're familiar with the story or not, um, the emperor basically calls Martin Luther to come and have a meeting, you know, in the presence of the emperor, right? And the emperor demands that Martin Luther recants his writings. Um, Martin sort of pushes back and says he needs time I think the emperor gives him 24 hours and, you know, it says Martin basically goes back and is in prayer and he just, 
he's like, I can't recant what God has shown me. I know mm-hmm. it's true. I know it's from God. Mm-hmm. And this is where he comes back and he gives emperor uh, or the emperor that famous quote that he says, where here I stand, I can do no other. Um, defying an empire, right? And, you know, we've talked about this before. Like, we all like to think that we have that faith of, oh, you know, if I, if I got a chance, you know, to stand in front of President whoever, Biden or, you know, Putin, <laughs> you know, I'd tell him, no, you wouldn't. You know, like, this is that thing. If you won't make the case to that atheist coworker, you're not going to stand in front of the emperor who can kill you sight on, you know, sight unseen mm. and send assassins to come. I know. And- can you be so sure of the word of God that, that just shows where your faith is? Really, because your boldness comes from believing God's word over anything else. Yeah, like I'm sure Martin was in his room that night going, I'm going to die tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell him I can't, and I'm going to die. He was so tormented in his mind, though. I think it just, yeah. Yeah, it's insane, but it's, uh, man, it's so encouraging. And, you know, looking back on it from where we sit today, like, what did Martin Luther in the Protestant Reformation actually equate to? You know, and today we have roughly a billion Christians around the world that are Protestant. You know, if you're a Lutheran, obviously, but, you know, if you consider yourself a Baptist, a Presbyterian, a Pentecostal, a Methodist, and there's a whole slew of other denominations, um, you're a product of Martin Luther in the Protestant Reformation. So if that's the denomination and the faith you hold to, I think you owe it to kind of go back and reflect on this courageous life and, um, you know, kind of where it started from and Mm -hmm. not just sort of brush past it to, again, go and get some candy and dress up like a ghost. You know, like this is far too important of a day. This is really about life. It's about the gospel. This, yeah, this event that happened and then Halloween overshadows it. Celebrating the dead over celebrating life is really, I don't know, that's how I look at it. And I just wanted to um, read this quote from the book, uh, Martin Luther by Eric Metaxas. And again, I'll have this linked in the show notes. Amazing book. Um, Eric Metaxas is a wonderful author. Um, We've referenced him many times on his book on Bonhoeffer, um, who again, um, tracing his lineage back to Martin Luther you know, Bonhoeffer being a German theologian, he comes from the Martin Luther tree. So, but this is uh, kind of the opening paragraph in this book here. I just want to read, it says, in 1934, an African-American pastor from Georgia made the trip of a lifetime, sailing across the Atlantic Ocean through the gates of Gibraltar and across the Mediterranean Sea to the Holy Land. After this pilgrimage, he traveled to Berlin, attending an international conference of Baptist pastors. While in Germany, this man, who was named Michael King, became so impressed with what he learned about the reformer Martin Luther that he decided to do something dramatic. He offered the ultimate tribute to the man's memory by changing his own name to Martin Luther King. His five-year-old son was also named Michael, and to the son's dying day, his closest relatives would still call him Mike. But not long after the boy's father changed his own name, he decided to change his son's name too, and Michael King Jr. became known to the world as Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
obviously, if you know of Martin Luther King Jr., you always like equated that name like, oh, it's really weird. But I never really realized that he wasn't always named Martin Luther King Jr., right? Like his dad. And again, so if you consider yourself a civil rights activist of any stripes, I mean, you obviously trace your lineage back to Dr. King, who traces his lineage back to Martin Luther. So <laughs> if you're a civil rights activist, this day is important to you because mm -hmm. this day changed the course of your life if you're a minority in this country. So mm. it's not just of Christian and Protestant faith. If you're, you know, fighting for civil rights, you need to know about Martin Luther. Um, so a pretty yeah, cool little story there. So that's all we wanted to really just mention on this episode. We just want to highlight, you know, a far better thing to be celebrating today than Halloween. But is there any last thoughts that you have on this, honey? Um, no, not really. Yeah, I just want to encourage you guys, you know, we get, um, you know, life's busy. Um, there's a million things distracting us, but I would encourage anybody listening, please go back and read, not just Martin Luther, but the fathers of our faith, you know, we read the Bible. And so often, you know, the apostles, the prophets, you know, the leaders in Israel, they were constantly remembering back, right? The God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they remembered the faith that they came from mm. and the lineage. And we don't do that in America. And it's a shame, you know, there's mm. not to mock Max Lucado. If that's what you like to read. That's fine. But you got to go back, um, you know, read, read the classics, learn where our faith came from. And it can also even help you figure out, kind of like Martin Luther did, where has our faith gone astray from where mm -hmm. it first started, you know, and um, kind of judge where your faith is today in light of what it once was. And, you know, that can maybe help you get back on that narrow path um, if you're starting to believe or get a little bit loose, loose in, you know, sort of the things that you do. Reading people like Kelvin and Luther and Augustine and um, all these sorts of people can kind of help refocus mm -hmm. where your faith is. So. That's all we have today. Just encourage you guys to at least spend a little bit of time today remembering where our faith came from. And uh, that is all we have for you guys today. Love you. God bless. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP SmartSide today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save